ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of Barstool Backstage. I'm hyped for this one. Big interview this week. Yellow card in the building. We got Ryan from Yellow Card. Amazing interview that me and Dante did last week. Gritty, like actually like a gritty like comeback story from this band. They were down and out. They had broken up. They couldn't get their footing in the modern era. And now they're touring, selling out venues they couldn't sell when they were at their highest. It's unbelievable. We get into kind of like the era of MySpace rock, uh, what brought them back, what he's been doing, where they're playing now. It's a really great interview, and we got a lot to talk about this week. I think Dante's going to be in to talk about the Windy City Smokeout, which they just, just did in Chicago. We got Kenny. We got Johnny. Kenny, how are you, buddy? Good man, hanging, chilling, you know, working. Vibing. I was gonna, I was gonna go to Johnny first, and then I noticed how relaxed he was in his church pew today, and I was like, I'll give him a minute. To Can think. I tell you something? I've talked about it many times with many people. That church pew vibe, so sick, is so good, man. I <laughs> want one so bad. I haven't, we haven't done any sessions yet with anybody in here. I kind of, I'm wondering what it's gonna do if we put people in here to record vocals sitting down in a church pew, just like a confessional style. Dude, I don't Let's understand. Get, Nobody ever wants to sit down to record vocals. Like, grow up. You know? I do it all the time. Grow up. Certain, yeah. like, especially for like quiet vocals, you can like compress your chest and get it differently. I feel like honestly, you're that's how Hosier records. I feel like you, you took that from Hosier's studio, just a church pew. Yeah, my mic <laughs> right here. You go here, you do that. You go here, you do that. Oh, yeah. I do when I'm recording myself, I don't move from my chair. Like every by the way, Ken, Kenny, we were talking about the studio before this, but you're that real. Of your studio, the remodeled studio, your shit looks amazing, dude. Looks yeah. good, right? I'm so fucking pumped, man. It's been um, three years of working in a bedroom since the pandemic, right? When I closed the big studio down. And finally, it was like, dude, it's goddamn time. And so it took three weeks and fucking made this place. And I even had John Hunter from John Hunter Acoustics come and treat the room. And I'm stoked. I've never had a perfectly treated room. I've had, like, I put up soundproofing. Cool. Easy. But for somebody to come in and dial everything in, I, I've never felt more in the fucking mix than I do now. And it's kind of made working so on. You have no fucking excuses. Right. Yeah, exactly. I will, well, I, I will say, Kenny, seeing Kenny, can you say something? So you pop up on my screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. You're this picture. This is what I'm going to photograph in my mind of you. You got your little Boston creeping around in the back. Two of them. You have your, you have your, Diamond certification plaque on the wall behind you. There's your other Boston right there. Hey, so today. Cute. He looks he looks adorable as always. And Dante. you and Kenny, you look good like for once. You look like you put yourself together and, and gave a shit when you got out of bed today. <laughs> <laughs> Dante coming straight in with the no, he looks good. It's a compliment. He looks great. Dante spends a little bit of time with Darius Rucker, and all of a sudden he comes in high well, and mighty, dude. Listen, high and mighty. When you have two one-year-olds and you work from home, it takes a lot to get me dressed up. But I had a lot of in-person sessions this week, so I, nice. kinda, I got a haircut and shit. You know? Can you say who you have coming in this week? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, I, I could say some. I would say I've got my boy Kellen Quinn coming in. We're going to be riding Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm super fucking stoked um, to make some cool shit with him. And that's Sleeping with Sirens, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Good for you, buddy. Um, Dante. The record with another band. Who'd you finish your record with? They're uh, kind of untitled. They're still kind of peeking around. Um, currently, they're called Pixie Punk, but I just finished a 10-song record with them, and we wow. had to do like, the listening party yesterday. So I've been working, man. I've been shredding. 
Well, you know, you came up at the studio last night while we were there, and everybody. I thought we had the track list done, and my drummer you're was like, "What would a genius like Kenny Carkeet do here?" No, they were like, "When are we going to do that song with Kenny that you sent the demo for, the Wrong Side of the Road one that I sent oh, yeah, you?" Yeah, it's a great tune. Yeah, and I was like, I thought we were going to save that for the next record, mostly because I just don't feel like going back in with the with the baby on the way. I thought we were done, and they were like, "We're not putting the album out without that, so it needs to get done." Hey, you'll never send it to me to let me finish it. You know what I mean? I, w- I, d- I want to do, I told you, I want to do this over like Zoom. I want to like have this be involved. I don't give a shit. I just need your vocals. Send me the vocals, send me the drums, send me the parts, and let me sink it in and do my thing, baby. All right, that's fine. Uh, before we get into the interview, we have some things to talk about. I want to start now that Dante's here. Uh, I didn't get the opportunity to go to Chicago. I'm in the impending birth of the king of the world is coming. Uh, but Dante, White Sox Dave, Glenny Balls, everybody backstage at the Windy City Smokeout. Got some huge interviews. Dante, how'd it go? Man, this is tough for me because... You're like Mr. Team Player, and you just really dropped the ball this weekend. Suck uh, my fucking dick, dude. You you know show you know showed on a huge festival. We we I mean, dude. So it was the most typical bar stool thing ever. We had our own trailer in Media Row, and all the like media photography people. US ninety nine was next to us. They're like a local chicago radio station um they're the big country station that partners with the smoke out um they have all their jocks there they MC in between acts and all that they do an awesome job i'm friends with all those guys they're all like old pop radio guys a bunch of them are from out east so we got along with them great everyone else fucking hated us what? hated the fact dude hated the fact we were there Fasoli is such a g he gives no fucks he put Good. people in their place put people in their place left and right people kept coming into our trailer because until the day before the festival it was supposed to be like a group it was like a shared trailer for like all the photogs and shit like all the independent photogs or the people that were here shooting um what's it called when you you do stuff like independently and then try to sell it to freelance. like rolling freelance it was like the freelance trailer so it switched the last day and we put up like our step and repeat and we had these like bales of hay for seats, which was It looked amazing. It looked amazing. And, and the first few artists that came in, like Randy Rogers came in and was like, what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> and, uh, but by the end, like Rucker loved it. Rucker was like, no, this is way better than like office chairs and a desk. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a fucking amazing weekend. Of course. What were they talking uh, shit? At? Wait, wait, wait. What, what were they mad about that we were there? They were mad that we were there and they don't think that we're like a, a legit. I mean, you know how Rolling Stone and like all these like. Hey, everyone else, other... do me a favor. Suck my fucking dick. They're we're going to be there. Mad that you don't talk like this. And <laughs> you're just normal humans. And they're like, I don't understand. Yeah, they were like a few guys came in and were like. What like what is going on in here? We were like, God, this is our trailer, and they were like, like why? How does why does Barstool have a trailer? We were well, like, we're here to interview that. people because people yeah. want to listen to what we have to no, say Barstool, and not ask the same six questions. We were, we were like, talk to the people throwing the festival. They they invited us. Barstool has a trailer because terrestrial radio is dying. Dead. Oh, fuck. Shut your mouth or I'll break your hip. <laughs> yeah, do me. Yeah, exactly. Old man River, zip it or I'll break your hip. Dude, but right so I will. I will say I texted Colin, our 
our interviews got better and better as the weekend went along. Our last one of the weekend, we interviewed Dylan Scott, who kicked off the the cup snake thing. I I know you saw my oh, saw video, yeah, yeah. but but I feel bad because Dylan Scott is the one who like kicked it off, and he came in afterwards. And I think this is how we should do our interviews from now on. We should try to do them after because White Sox Dave sat there and took notes on his phone. He pulled out a notes app and is jotting down notes about his performance. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we're going to grill the shit out of this guy afterwards. And he sat down and it was like, and it, it was a straight interrogation. Dave jumped all over him, was like, uh, what? So, do you always contribute to the delinquency of minors? And the guy's <laughs> like, uh, and he's like, yeah, you, uh, you were drinking up there with a sixteen-year-old. And the guy's like, actually, the sixteen-year-old handed me a bottle of Fireball. He's like, I didn't hand it to him. It, it was, it was awesome, dude. So <laughs> for live it. shit from now on, we're gonna interview people after the set. That's amazing. If possible, I doubt, I doubt that's gonna get greenlit. I tell you but what, we should try. As somebody who's played a million shows, my my nightmare would be having to do press interview after, after the, the set. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hell, I'm but done. yeah, but Dave like Dave like broke down his show. He was like, uh, "What size?" He was like, "I don't want to give it all away because it's so funny." He was like, "What size pants are you?" And the guy's like, <laughs> "I don't know, thirty two. And Dave's like, "Why are you wearing a 24? <laughs> and and the guy's just dying laughing. And I'm like, "To be honest, I go." Dave turned to me during the show and goes, I can't believe how many girls are trying to grab that guy's dick. <laughs> and the, it was great. It was great. It was, it was fucking amazing. And Dude. Dana beers, Dana beers was there. He hung out with us. Um, of course the, the Barstool Chicago office just continues to be the laziest group of humans I've ever seen in my life. Um, we got the red carpet rolled out for us. I think like three of those guys showed up like two days. It was basically me, Dave, and Fasoli, uh, boots on the ground all weekend. And I was dead on Monday. Fucking I dead. I want to say this. You know, <clears throat> you know I would have been there if it was humanly possible for me to be there. Dude, I, was trying to make, listen, I was trying to make bargains with God. I really was. Listen, man. No one, no one forced you to procreate. That's You did that yourself. So I don't want to hear... I don't want to hear the excuses. <laughs> well, do you do you want to hear the twisted logic of, of of God's judgment? So, while you're having fun in Chicago, do you know what I'm doing? What? One of the bars that I work at, which is kind of like a West Hollywood kind of like glitz and glam, like super old school bar, gold everywhere, whatever. The owner wants wanted to do a Barbie movie pop up for the entire week. So, Whoa. do you know what I was doing while you were fucking? Hamming it up with Darius Rucker, I was dressed in all pink, bartending a Barbie <laughs> pop up because I had to be Ken. That was my punishment I for the weekend. A photo of this shit in this conversation, dude. How do you? Girl, yeah. How do you not send a picture of this on the group text? Because why the fuck Loser. would I do that? Dude, because, come on. Dude, no, hold on, on. Hold on. I have to explain to you That's what not I was fair wearing. To us. That's not I will fair send to us. it to you. <laughs> no, because the owner, who is a wonderful, wonderful lady says to me, Colin, you have to be Ken. And I was like, no. And she was like, no, you have to be Ken. Like, you're, I'm making you do it. And she wants me wearing a pink Barbie sailor's hat. 
And I said no to the sailor's hat. I was like, I have dignity. And But I, my first thought was, God forbid the Barstool universe ever gets a hold of me in all pink with a bar with a pink Barbie bar with like a fucking hat. I was like, you know what? I might as well just pack it in. So while you're fucking chilling with Luke Bryan and Darius Rucker and Bailey Zimmerman, I'm out here putting the fucking work and boots on the ground at the Barbie pop up. So suck my balls. I can't. You better- oh, tell me about this Barbie movie. I like it's nonstop promo for it. Is it just like a straight up Barbie movie, or is it like a weird? Cynical, I think it's like a weird thing. Artistic yeah, take a, on a, it. The com- the trailer surprisingly looks pretty funny. Like it looks pretty good. Yeah, I love comedy. It seems pretty funny. Well, I mean, we're, I want to get into the movie. Listen, thing. Gosling, Gosling's the man. Anything Gosling man. does is fucking incredible. Um, I would watch that guy sleep. Me too. Um, and be and be. <laughs> watch me the hot dog for sure. Right, I'll tell you that much. Gosling movie. <laughs> I'd watch. I'd watch. What? He's a man. Drive. Drive is. Drive might be my favorite movie. Oh, one you're of my one of the, you're one of those time. guys. Like you're one of like the Ryan Gosling is my personality kind of guys. Like he's no, I just I think he's like the best best looking human on the, on the you planet. do you right. do have that bomber jacket with the scorpion on the back like Gosling yeah, doesn't do. drive i remember that yes i do that's uh, a great fucking movie seen the gray man it's oh, all right dude great great no for a shit netflix like yes. away, yeah. amazing yeah. like when you're just like looking for something to kill an hour yeah uh what's his name was awesome in that Chris Evans. Oh, Chris Evans. Yes. Yeah. He was yeah. he plays a I wish he played bad guy more often. He's yeah. a great bad guy. A- Anna DeArmas is she's not even real. Yeah, she can But guessed. but terrible actress. Yeah, horrible. I don't care. Terrible don't actress. Care. That trailer, don't care. <laughs> trailer for that movie she did with Chris Evans called like Ghosting or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it looks so bad. The worst looking movie in your fucking life. I want so while I was at home with like my jaw shut, not able to talk. I was watching uh, the show Gamora, which is like the oh yeah, the Italian best show, best show, best show ever. I was just I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do while I'm stuck on the couch for two weeks. I'm gonna rewatch Gamora, and it's on uh, it's on there, and they kept pumping that promo every episode. And by the end, I was wore down. I was like, this looks like a good movie. I'm gonna give this a try. <laughs> I, I'm sold. I'm sold on uh, what was it called again? ghosted i think ghost i'm like dude i watched 20 minutes of it had to bail so it was ass. so it yeah, was uh, same here it wasn't even it was the perfect kind of bad that it wasn't bad enough even to have fun watching it it was just exactly horrific with no fun of being exactly. bad like uh like like a nicholas cage like a bad nicholas cage movie right it's just fun no matter what but you know what i mean Yo, is is Con Air in top ten of all time cinema? Oh my god! It yes, it gets, it gets it gets better with age. It does. It really does. Just like Nicolas Cage. Before <laughs> we before we move on, the last thing I'll say about Smoke Out, I wanted to run with the narrative that Luke Bryan stood us up and make that a thing, but I realized people are just the biggest fucking haters in the world. Like. So many people. You saw Colin online. You're you're on our socials. Like Luke Bryan sucks. He's like oh, the worst. Luke Bryan fans are the worst people in the world. Like, like, dude, why do people care so much about what other people like musically? I will never understand. Like, you well, we can need like that to be the case. Losers. Otherwise, no one listens to this. You know what I mean? Like, you have yeah, to have I guess that's true. the haters but, and the lovers. 
But Johnny, you can like whatever the fuck you like. It does not affect me. It's not like you're not programming my Spotify. I'm not like subjected to what you're putting out there. Like I understand back in the day when there were like CBS, NBC and ABC and you were like force fed your content by whoever the fuck made those decisions. But you you have access to whatever the hell you like. You can listen to uh, Screamo all you want. I don't give a shit. You Dude, I 98% agree with you. I think there's like 2% of artists that should like be made actually illegal. Like, at a <laughs> give 20, me one of them. What, what, what amendment are we on on the, on the Constitution? Make that the next amendment, certain artists. No, who, would you put on, who would you put on there? Yeah, who's, who's your 28th amendment? amendment? Um, I'm trying to say one without getting murdered by their fan, yeah, <laughs> by their you fans. Can. You know what I mean? Grow a uh, set of nuts and say it. I would, I would say thirty seconds to Mars, but I secretly enjoy having them release new music so that right. I can laugh. Like so, it's 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 again, it's in that like comic world. But like, I don't know. There's just so I don't know, dude. I'm I'm joking, of course. I'm but not. there's certain pieces of certain artists that but, is just. I don't know. So listen, so so Luke w- was running around like crazy on Saturday. He was headlining. His bus got in late. Um, it was his birthday on Sunday. So his family was there to like surprise him and celebrate with him. So he was super strapped for time. And his publicist came by our trailer early. We weren't there because we were White Sox Dave. And I were over talking to some of the barbecue chefs. We saw Joe Flom and we're walking back and we missed him. And we tried Mm -hmm. to meet up again later and it was a shit show. So it didn't work out. So our big fish of the weekend, the Darius Rucker is not a small fish by any means, but Luke Bryan was going to be like our big interview and that got fucked up. So we're going to reschedule it. But other than that, it was a, a nine out of ten weekend. Glennie was awesome. Uh, Rucker was cracking up. Um, he was like, "What the fuck are you doing here, man? Why are you everywhere I go?" And uh, <laughs> we spun it around. We spun around. We were like, "Darius, why are you everywhere Glennie goes? Why yeah, are you he following like, balls?" He's like, "I watch all his videos." He's like, "I will admit, I watch all his videos." He's like, "It is kind of, it is kind of creepy." Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was a good. It was a good awkward like ten or fifteen minutes with him. Well, I'll tell you this much: what I did gather from all of that, because of the way my brain works, is all these other publications suck our dicks. I don't well, care, dude. The great thing is, is they they're already talking about next year. They're like, we want to have you guys like outside with like a full setup, so everyone can see when their tour bus pulls in, and like you guys are like the first like. This isn't us pitching them. Like they're like their publicist, Natalie. Shout out Natalie. She was the sweetest, most helpful lady ever. She was like, you got she was like, I wish I could work with you guys all the time. Like, you guys are so fun. You're not assholes. You're you're super easygoing. You're flexible. Like people were shifting times around. We didn't give a fuck. We were like, yeah, I will say working like working this festival was not as fun as going there getting going fucked it, yeah. up smoking weed listening to the music and, and hanging out it was very stressful being at the trailer doing these interviews being in the mindset to like 
I fucked up bad. I called Randy Rogers, uh, Randy Hauser. Oh no. <laughs> he, he immediately called me out and ribbed me about it the rest of the weekend. Uh, oh, White yeah. Sox, Dave, White Sox, Dave told everybody he could about it. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a fuck up too, but. Oh, your biggest awesome. fuck up! Your biggest fuck up of the weekend came because in the middle of the night on Thursday, when I was just down, I was like, "Fuck! I wish I was there." I get a text at one o'clock in the morning from Fasoli of him standing with like the biggest artist in the world, fucking Zach Bryan, and I text the group and I'm like, "You motherfuckers met Zach Bryan?" And Dante's like, "Wait, what? Dante wasn't there. You missed it, <laughs> dude." They went to the after party and didn't even tell me about. Uh... They're hanging out with Zach Bryan's like whole group, just shooting the shit. He's like the biggest Barstool fan, turns out, which is so weird to me. Also, I don't know if it's weirder that that or that he's a Philly sports fan. That's why I wanted Oklahoma. to be there. Why? Like, why is he a Philadelphia fan? He moved to Philly to for his ex girlfriend, and then fell in love with the city, like everyone should. But <laughs> yeah, they all they were all just kicking it. There never thought to shout their boy out and uh, let him know where it was happening. So uh, I do have like one or two things I want to touch on before the yellow card interview. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. There's like been a string of rappers that have had to cancel their entire tours because they can't sell tickets. Lil Dirk and Lil Baby, the Lils, uh, they both canceled stadium tours or like like arena tours because they couldn't sell tickets. They canceled like ninety percent of their dates, and I'm wondering. First off, why are these dudes trying to play fucking arenas? And two, why is nobody buying tickets? No, I think it's I think it's more of booking agents trying to yeah. get tours, trying to get yep. big venues, over promising, under delivering, you know. Is there a shittier feeling on earth than being an artist that's going on tour and then you get an email from like the venue or the promoter and they're like, Hey, why have you guys only moved like 30 tickets and you're like oh my god the existential dread there that's like it. imagine that and that's the thing about like good booking agents they're like no you're gonna play fucking 5,000 cap Fillmore's this run or you're gonna play fucking amphitheater sheds as we call them or you know do you want to sell them out man you want no tickets left every time right exactly it's it's like Lil Wayne just did that entire Fillmore size run Lil Wayne should be doing stadiums of course oh, because he's fucking Lil Wayne but he, he did the smart thing and did Fillmore size venues and blew them all out there was demand so wait, are they like it's known for a hundred percent that they weren't selling the tickets, or yep. and what are they saying? Like, why are they saying they canceled? Just are they making up because excuses, or just no, saying like, oh, we couldn't, we sales. couldn't sell them. We couldn't sell the tickets. There, oh. it's both. Some are some are making up excuses. Some are just saying the truth. But yeah, Colin, it's it's so funny you brought that up though about Wayne because he came through Chicago. He played this spot radius, awesome spot. Um about 5,000 cap and you know everybody's like you know little Wayne can only like do 5,000 tickets no the, the fucking dude tickets on the aftermarket were going for a thousand dollars pop nobody could get in there was a thousand people outside trying to get in um there was actual demand for it whereas yeah, if he it's did so United, annoying now that United like everyone's or it's so annoying now that everyone's got opinions on who should be able to sell what and all that. He used to be like industry people, booking agents, like fine. They need to have a, their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry. Now you've got just like regular people being like, why is such and such an artist only playing this? He should be in 5,000 cap rooms. It's yeah, like, yeah. Just go to the oh, show and enjoy the show. Who fucking cares where they're at? 
It's Twitter though. It's it's if you if you like read the nerds on Twitter who are like it, it's weird. Like kids nowadays, it's not like they're not like my artist is better than your artist, or like my favorite artist is better than yours. It's like your artist can't fucking sell tickets. It's like, yeah, it's like this like is the weirdest argument ever. Stockbrokers or something. Yo, like, legit. Crypto portfolio is trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His non fungible tokens can't even sell, dude. What are we doing here? But uh, <laughs> it does bring me to another point. I, I've been saying this. I feel like we're early on a lot of stuff, like as our podcast. I feel like we have a pretty good pulse of what's going on. And there's something that happened this week that I think is kind of signaling something that's going on. And I feel like the Post Malone, Noah Kahan thing that just happened. Uh, Noah Kahan, who's this amazing kind of like Americana folk artist, is collaborating and doing remixes of his songs with Post Malone in the style of Noah Kahan. I feel like we're going into this kind of like people want more folk driven shit coming through now, as opposed to the pandemic where everything was trapped. Everything was trapped. Everything was trapped. I think you're seeing a little bit of a sea change that people want real fucking music. And it, I'm personally, it's good for me. I'm happy. We have some cool folky shit coming out. So I'm happy. But um, I don't know. Is anybody else seeing this kind of a change? Yeah, I, mean, I think I you can kind of feel it. I think it's just a natural reaction to being cooped up in the digital digital world for too long. Like it's got all its benefits, the digital world, but people it doesn't matter what generation they're from. I think even still, like young kids still sense that they want something that's got some realness to it. Yeah. So it's it feels like a good and natural trend. I mean, you know, it'll come and go like everything else. We'll be back to digital shit three years from now. But at least yeah, it seems like a good I think that's why Kernstyle got so big. That's what I'm saying. Like I think we're seeing younger generation's first connection to like a real fucking live gutting band, you know? Dude, yes, absolutely. And I think like Post Malone is going on tour with a fucking hardcore band as his opener. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're with not in management, I think. Dude, so they're I, I was listening to the new Post Malone single that just came out. Uh it's called Overdrive. And it's kind of like this like ethereal Beatles waltz kind of a thing. And it's all guitars and like synths and it, it he's singing. You know, you know what I love you know what I love about him? What? Is he has that I feel like the same mindset that Kanye had where he knows he has the clout that he can introduce something like that to his hardcore main fans and audience, and they will give it a chance, buy in, and not totally write it off and discount it. Whereas a lot of like 90% of other acts would be like people would be like what the fuck is going on and they would it would swing the other way i feel like he does a better job with it because he's not throwing it in people's faces like kanye is like kanye was constantly like i'm i'm superior to everybody else my taste is so much you no one's on my level blah blah blah. post malone is just like i fuck with this more people should fuck with this if you like me you should like this I think what Post Malone is doing right now by reintroducing the folkier side of things, he's really bringing in the sea change in popular music of things going back to a more organic, real form of music. I'm excited for the new record. I want to see if he does anything with Fleet Foxes because I know he loves Fleet Foxes and I love Father John Misty. So like, I want to see if he goes that route. But like, I think you're seeing something happening right now in popular music where we're getting away from where we were and we're going into it's kind of like when Mumford and Sons came out and like 
2010-2011 where like they want that kind of Lumineers fucking vibe. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll all be dressing in burlap again and having like the string lights in all the videos. You know what I mean? Like maybe we're going back a little bit. <laughs> also, last thing before we go into the, the yellow card interview, speaking of that like era of music, I was having this trippy moment where because my son's going to be born within the next like week, I was thinking, I think of everything in music terms, right? And I was thinking like, dude. Wait, Colin, you're having a baby? Yeah, it turns out, dude, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. My dick does work. Um, when I was born in 1991, that means that Back in Black was only 10 years old. And when I think about it, I'm like, dude, I thought that was the oldest shit ever. At the same time, when my son's born, Back in Black will be the same amount of time away as Kenny's megalithic symphony was to where my son was born and so when he's 10 and looking back on back in black like my dad's music was so fucking old he's gonna look back on kenny's music when he's 10 and be like damn what is this classic rock like how fucking dude it's so fucking weird yeah time yeah (laughs) time (laughs) like you gotta think about like exile on main street for me was like never mind for my son right like like right now right now to never mind was like me to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yes, how fucked up is that? Yeah. That's why I think this is kind of related to what you're saying about this idea of like how you perceive time. Whenever they show um, like a period piece, like a movie set and whatever, 1850, they always, it's always through the lens of like how we see that shit as old timey. But for right. them, obviously it would have felt now timey. And I wish someone would direct or write a movie and like throw away the way that they talk or that we think they talked because to them it just sounded like the way we think we sound to each other now and like that's a hard thing to wrap your head around is that every individual person always has felt the sense of now and like their identity has been linked to that time and we always think of it just like oh no like they thought differently it's like no they literally everything was exactly the same for them dude my what are you fucking christopher nolan that was that was nuts. Our idea, man. I was talking about. I've been like ten minutes ago. I was well, I mean, it's related to what you're saying, too. right? I'm not. It's not like I didn't go completely no, off on, the no, wall. You're just smarter than we are, and we know that. That's no, okay. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, uh, let's go into the yellow card interview. Come out, do on the list, off the list, and we'll get the fuck out of here. So this is our interview with Ryan from Yellow Card. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Barstool Backstage and on the guest list this week, we have the singer of a band that we all know and love, celebrating the 20-year anniversary of Ocean Avenue. We got Ryan from Yellow Card here. Ryan, how are you, brother? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, I can. I saw this email come through. Actually, White Sox Dave hit us up. And they're like, yo, do you want to do Yellow Card? And I was like, are you Are you kidding me? Do I want to do Yellow Card? Of course I do. And I, I, it just, I am a child of the 90s, but I grew up in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So my first point has to be thank you for inspiring me to go to Hollister and buy a bunch of pop collar polos. Like you, you, you really <laughs> did that for me as a kid, dude. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't know if I want to like say you're welcome to that even. <laughs> dude, how much but money did you guys make off yellow cards? You're welcome. Like off Hollister sinks, just your music being played well, in Hollister 24 seven. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that worked back then. Like what kind of, um, you, you know, I guess it was probably even in, 2004 or five whatever it was satellite radio probably is what those mm. stores were using like sirius xm um but they have there's companies that do as far as i know satellite radio specifically for retailers so they're not just like listening to an actual serious channel it's like for restaurants and 
vendors and whatever there's like yeah. services that that curate playlists but i don't know i know they sold ocean avenue on the counter at hollister they did dude for sure i remember so that, that was very like, vividly it was like that yeah. in plans by death cap recutie i remember going in there and those were always right there at the front counter right so so okay so if you think i'm like ooh, pop popped pink collars like what do you think ben gibbard thinks about that like you know what i mean it's like next level like he's gotta just be like just his skin's just off his body just crawled off his body 100 you know? um, especially because yeah, he looks that, like he that, works dude, in it that <laughs> that shit helped man it really did you know um there, there were a lot of little outlets like that back then that all kind of became you know small pieces of the bigger bigger picture and like it was you know kids were kids were buying music rapidly still at that time you know even though we were on the eve of like the spotify streaming revolution in 2003 and 4 people were consuming hard copy music still you know in pro i mean record sales were high so. yeah you were the last gasp of that and i mean when i think about we it, really like, were on the last wave dude it's crazy to think when about. i think about a band like yellow card and i think about a, and i use this like a loving term like the myspace era rock bands like you fall out mm-hmm. with a lot of bands like that you guys have lived through more changes than any group of musicians possibly ever. Like just like looking back, and I'm I'm looking through like historical events, I guess, in your career, but I'm watching you guys play TRL and AOL sessions and last FM sessions. And now you're talking to people yeah. on Barstool Sports on a podcast, which didn't even fucking yeah. exist back then. Like, right. how have you guys riv- ridden the wave after wave after wave? Well, we broke up twice. <laughs> <laughs> we got so sick. We got so sick of trying to catch the a wave, we just quit. Um no, uh, it has been it has been wild to watch, man. You know, you think like to your point of of our generation of bands and the change we've had to go through. Um, I mean, what would what would have been before that? Like MTV would have been the biggest sort of jarring thing for a generation of artists, you know. But everything else was still the same. Print press at the time, and you know, albums, cassettes, and and vinyls were selling like crazy, and the radio was playing your songs, and you had to do like super traditional pay to play radio campaigns and all that kind of stuff, and. But yeah, we've seen, you know, we've we've seen from from Napster to TikTok now. You know, I mean, it's just been an insane. I, I remember something neither one of you has mentioned yet, but what turned me on to you guys and was fucking huge was Madden mm-hmm. two thousand four. Was it I'm only one or Ocean Avenue? It was way away, and we we oh, were on. Oh, that's dude, right. And it, Yes, it yeah. was like one of the first songs I heard by them, and it was one of the best songs on the soundtrack. But that game was huge. Yeah, like you yeah. said. I mean, at no the time, Madden was at the time. I think Madden was the highest selling video game in in big time. Not about the world, maybe the world, maybe FIFA wasn't as big as it is now. Um, I'm a gamer, so uh, was I'm this Mike Vick? Stuff, was but... this was this Mike Vick cover yes. Madden? Yes, yes. and yeah. I remember doing mini mini camps. And like just yes. running back drills yeah. with way yeah. away and like Franz Ferdinand blasting in yes. the background. Holy I, shit! I think Dante. we were on. I think we were on 2007 Madden as well. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we got that song, our, our song "Fighting" on 07. But e- either way, that was huge. Funny thing about being on Madden too is like, you know, at, at in 2004 we were young and dumb and like doing the whole young Hollywood Manhattan party life thing. It was, it was absolutely insane. But we, you know, we'd go out to like fish out of water, like the five of us in like a full on club raging club in Hollywood (laughs) or New York or whatever, you know, like you'd walk in, but you'd walk into these places and you, you know, people who are like club people, like people who listen to EDM and like would never be Oh, yellow car. I'm coming to a show would come up to me and be like, 
that's my shit on Madden, man. <laughs> I know who you are because of Madden. So um, it just shows you the reach, you know, that those kinds of opportunities had back then. Um, and it's it's funny how that was like a thing. Get on the Madden soundtrack, you know. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure it is now too, still. But um, but I, I think, don't think they're picking. But I think I don't think guys, I don't think they're picking up like Van and Trailer or pop punk fans. No, I, think I, I don't guys, think that's a thing. <laughs> I think you guys made that into a thing, not mm. you necessarily, mm. but the first few seasons of that that was like unheard of to yeah, yeah. acquire yeah, like they actual came, sound soundtracks. For video they games. came to the studio, like the EA team came to the studio back in, in 03 when we were making the record, which was really cool. So we knew we were getting that opportunity super early on. And I think wow. if I remember right, we brought them in to be like, you listen, you know, listen to what we have so far and see if you vibe with any of these songs. And um, and yeah, way away ended up getting on it. But uh huge opportunity for sure. It was just again another one of those little little pieces of the puzzle that made that that chapter of our career so incredibly wild. Was there any part of you that while the EA team was there, you were thinking about shoehorning a football reference into a song? Just like, uh, have you ever heard like Scott Stapp from Creed do the theme song to the Miami Marlins? Uh, I have not. Don't no, actually. No, you can't should. say I follow a lot of Scott Stapp activity. In my daily routine, but. Shame on you, dude. Because I'm, I'm in an email after this. I'm sending this over to you. It is one of the funniest fucking right. things you will ever see. But I'm glad you didn't shorten it. it out. Yeah. But it's funny because you you brought up something where you're like MTV was like that great kind of like asteroid hit the dinosaur moment for part of traditional, you know, music industry. In your lifetime as a musician, there's been like 10 MTVs. Like every new dawn of social media winds up bringing this new like, how do you market yourself? How do you move this way? There's this new avenue to do this. Like it is impressive in 2023 for you guys to have kind of reinvented yourselves in your career time after time. And now you're stuck talking us to idiots. It's amazing. It's exhausting is what it is, man. Yes, I mean, it is. How do you, how do you keep up with all this stuff? You know, it's like, uh, and, and for better or worse, however, it's going to end up affecting the human race. You know, TikTok is just, it's just a phenomenon and it's just insane. I mean, it's literally defining songwriting. It, it's, yeah. it has changed the formula for a pop song, you know? And I mean, whether you're a fan of pop or pop rock or whatever, pop, music has a the songs have a formula and they always have i mean you 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 go verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus that's how those songs go that's why they work there's there's the the human brain wants to hear a song go like that you know and i know for a fact that there are a and r people in the world you know signing pulling up young new artists from from tiktok from instagram whatever that's how you get signed now you know and basically encouraging them to produce all of their songs with the chorus of the song at full volume full speed right from the first beat of music and that is so i mean call me old crotchety dude or whatever you want to call me that is so disappointing man like to to take away the art of of creating tension and building a song and 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 the anticipation that you have in a song for that moment and that melody that that chorus that's going to sweep you away and make the song memorable just because TikTokers won't listen to it for more than 10 freaking seconds if it doesn't have everything they need for their their you know jumping off a boat and killing myself challenge i mean it's like dude. it drives me crazy dude and i don't have tiktok on my phone we we, we do have a, an account for the band i have an account but for the first time in our career we have a full-time social media person and she is wow. an angel she is an incredible person she knows like down to my core how i feel about social media and like how i want it to be involved in my life 
So she takes a lot of that into respect when she's curating social media campaigns and, and, and operating my accounts for me, you know, like she, I've never logged into TikTok, but so if you're on TikTok, you're talking to me, you're talking to my friend. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, it's like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to let any more of that stuff take up, you know, any more space in my brain. And it's like, I, I was a little worried about it for a while. Uh, as far as like, should I be more involved? Should I download the stupid freaking app and just have it? And, you know, who knows? It could be another revenue stream for me. It could be. But then we got out on this tour and we're literally selling out amphitheaters and I still haven't downloaded the app. It's like somehow there's something in the water where we have been able to come back this time around bigger than we've ever been in our entire career with, in my opinion, an extremely tasteful use of social media. I, I, have, if a, you've, I have a theory for this. All right. The social media think, or why we're bigger? No, uh, why you're seeing such great sales. And I, I yeah. don't think it, it just pertains to you guys, but I think there's been this not resurgence, but you're seeing this boom for touring and sales because our age group that grew up loving you guys, when you guys were like out and new in the hot new thing, we were dead broke college kids with no fucking money. Now yeah. we have a little bit of disposable income. Now you guys do these tours. Like we can fly somewhere to see you. Yep. We can, yep. you know, help you sell out, you know, arenas, wherever you're going. So I think that that is like played into this big time. Plus, it's, plus touring is like the name of the game now. So yep. the the only way to really connect with you know your favorite band your favorite performer your favorite musician is to go and see them live now Thanks. i mean we've always touring has always been you know our main source of income like how we've made a living we we had a, a obviously with ocean avenue we, it was a very um like i it, it was a remarkable thing that we that that song got on the radio and did what it did but that was the only time that ever happened in our whole career so yes we we did you know have a very healthy uh drop in the bucket in 2004 five six from royalties and stuff like that but then it, it, it tapered off and touring is how we've made a living but just just to counter a little bit i agree with what you're saying but it still doesn't quite add up for me because right. and last night in detroit is like the best example so far i think chicago might beat it but detroit is in the running to be the, the highest selling tour show of the tour, which is crazy in the first place. But um, because I, we've always had, you know, Detroit's been somewhere we always go on tour, but it's never been like the show of the tour, you know, but just to have you kind of be like, huh, yeah, that is still, how do you explain that? We were, you know, we broke up the band seemingly permanently for reasons like we were struggling in like 13, 14, 15 to sell out St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. It holds 900 people. Wow. We sold we sold 6,700 tickets last night. Damn, like that's not well. just, that's not just like, I couldn't see you when I was a kid, I'm coming back. Like, <laughs> that, that's six, That's more than six times the amount of tickets in the venue right. we regularly played in Detroit. Well, yeah. We, I, I, we cannot figure this out, dude. There, we do not have any, there are all those points and they're all valid. Disposable income, crowds older, they're bringing their kids the resurgence of this kind of music. Sure. That's all in there. It's all a factor or, or all factors, but, but six times your, your normal ticket sales in a, in a, in a, in a market after no new album, nothing on the radio, just, just saying, 
we're going on tour. Well, there's I something mean, culturally about the time period where you guys popped with bands like a fallout boy or panic at the disco uh, bands like Paramore, where people are wanting to see you guys. And there's something about this 20 year gap. that's allowing people to be like, like even people that back then might've been like, I remember my dad saying like, you know, this isn't fucking rock and roll. This is, you know, pop rock <laughs> or whatever. But now you look back on your, like, these are great guitar songs. These are really well-written rock songs. And there's something about the aging of the genre and maybe what we're stuck with now that people are like, holy shit, this actually fucking rocked. And now they want to go out and see it. And then maybe that's yeah, part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Paramore and Fall Out Boy, Panic, those bands, they've been arena bands the whole time. You know, yeah. they, they, they weren't, if, if any of those bands you listed are playing a show at St. Andrews, it's like a secret show under a different name. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. that was like, that was like the venue we played on our, on our tours until the final tour in 16, which is no longer the final tour, I guess. But um, <laughs> we played at the Fillmore in Detroit and, and we sold that out. It was great. It's a couple thousand people, but um and, and all those shows did really well because we were we were very definitive in our in our you know wording like we're, this is it we, we we never thought we were going to do this again i was gonna say um, in your heart of hearts did you actually believe that was it or did you always kind of plan to go back yes 100 really? ne- yeah never i never imagined we would do this again i i was i had fully fully disconnected and moved on with my life why so did you guys how, get back together yeah and how did this ep come about uh so our our, we have a really unique situation when it comes to our booking agent and that she has been our booking agent for our entire career. We've wow. never moved to another an, another person. So That's incredibly she unique. started yes, she started booking us in 2001, put us on our first tour with Rise Against and the Mad Caddies. It was our first official booked tour, you know, where like you showed up and the door was open and people were ticketed to come inside, you know. It was like Chicago um, guys. So she, are you are so you in Chicago been, right now, by the way? I am, yeah. I am. Oh. It, looks like on, it looks like you're right on the river. Yeah, I am. Um, nice. uh, so she um, she is from Chicago or lived in Chicago. There's there's something deeply rooted in Chicago in her past. So she'd be mad at me that I don't know the actual story. But either way, she has a, a, some interest in Riot Fest. I don't I also don't know the correct, you know, uh, terminology like whether she like helped start the festival or uh, just has a percentage or she's just friends with them or whatever but she's very invested in riot fest and has been from the beginning and just got a phone call last year that said hey i know you guys aren't doing shows and you know be a logistical nightmare but (laughs) full full disclosure i like to be very candid when i do interviews and be really honest the amount of money that they offered us to play a show was bigger than anything we'd ever gotten to do anything. And it got the phones ringing. I mean, there's of course no, there's it did. No other... Let's go, baby. I, I mean, I mean, it was like, we, you know, we were all, uh, you know, Sean was working a regular job. Um, I was just grinding it out, trying to keep playing music and touring. Um, Josh, our, our bass player wanted to be still touring, doing music, but he was really struggling to find a gig that, that felt right. And, you know, you get an opportunity like that. And uh, I, I think even though when it, came across our desk so to speak we still were probably a little like uh skeptical about whether or not we could pull it off whether or not we could you know mend fences and get back to where we needed to be relationship wise and you know get it just it's a big machine to get started again you know but but it was yeah i mean it was um it was a substantial offer that made us feel very valued and uh you know, desired, appreciated. It was really after what we had been through in the 2010s, just year after year, a steady, visible decline in 
income, streaming, everything was on the way down year after year after year until the spike at the end because we decided to declare at the end, you know, but so, so that feeling of being desired at that level uh, was really cool. And I think, you know, it, it just got us all talking, got us all on the phone to say, aside from the money, like this is, a, this is a moment, this is a special thing. Like this could be, and Corey, our agent, Corey Christopher Martin is her name. She was, I mean, drilling this home. She was like, just trust me. Cause we were, even then we were like, that's crazy that they want to pay us that much to play a festival, but we're kind of, uh, you know, there's like trauma of like, is, are people going to watch us play? You oh, know, yeah. we kind of had that, that feeling. And Corey was like, you have to trust me. This is going to be the the biggest moment in time for your band ever. Like it's going to start a whole thing. And we were, you know, we have had her with us for 22 years for a reason. And we, we trusted her and said, okay. And lo and behold, we'd go up in Chicago and play for like 40,000 people. That's what the and fuck I'm talking about. It, the show was like an out of body experience, bro. It was, it was insane. And, and we um, immediately were, were, okay, well, what do we, what now? Like, what are, <laughs> is there, is there more out there? You know? And we were thinking like festivals. We were thinking, are there, oh, yeah. can we do this, this type of thing some more? And Corey came back and was like, well, funny, you should ask. Live Nation already has an entire tour offer on the table. Let's and now I'm go. To show it to you. Um, and that's where, you know, that's how we end up where we are this summer. Um, playing the biggest rooms we've ever played in our whole career. So I'm how not- did the, how did the new music come about? I want to plug. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before we, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Before we have to let so, you go. Yeah. So we have a, a new EP called Childhood Eyes coming out on the 21st. It's almost Great here. song, by the uh, way. I just listened to that. Thank you. Thank you. We've been having so much fun playing it live every night. We didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, the streaming's been through the roof on it, so it's been it's been doing well. Um, and we thought, you know, some people are probably going to know it, but you know, actually, of all the songs on the EP, it is the one that's kind of a little outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Most of this EP is very much exactly what you're looking for Fuck yeah. as a Yellow Card fan. Uh, we were very deliberate with the songwriting in that way, and I think Childhood Eyes is the one song that's sort of a little left of center out of the batch, but. Uh, people are it's really resonating with people and it's been stick live every night it's been so so fun um but it comes out on the 21st and we had no plans to make new music when when we when we first started talking about putting all this back together there was still a lot of strain uh on certain relationships internally in the band and our our, our manager was just kind of like I just don't see you guys going in like a studio and sitting there for eight weeks together every day you know yep. and at the beginning but then we did Riot Fest and and it, it was just it was such a I love it, it such man. an incredible experience that we were like, we have to make some music, man. We got it, we gotta try. And so we did it pretty old school. We flew to Austin, Texas, where Sean lives, because he was still working his his job, job, you know, his salary job. Um he's really happy he's quit said job now, obviously, because oh, yes. we're back full time. So he's doesn't have to answer to the man anymore. But um we had to, we flew there because uh, he he lives there and you know uh, has his two kids and and his wife are there so we rented an Airbnb in Austin and Sean would come over every night after work and we pour some whiskeys and we had a little laptop rig to demo into and we were just riffing and jamming dude it was it was great and then uh, we produced a lot of it ourselves uh, Ryan Mendez our guitarist and I are sort of the the producer savvy members of the band so we both have really you know. Uh, 
really killer like home studio setups. And so we, we have a way we can work in real time remotely, even though he's in California and I'm in Florida. So we nice. produce stuff, the guitars and, and, uh, and, and bass and stuff on our own. I got to record all the vocals with Neil Avron, who's been our producer since ocean Avenue. Wow. So I got to fly to LA and actually go into his studio and, and, you know, have him there hands on with the vocal tracking, which was, uh, I think really leveled up the, the, uh, the EP and then Neil mixed it as well. And he's kind of like, if you know anything about mixing right now, he is the mixer in the game right now. Uh, he doesn't even produce records anymore because he's, he's so busy mixing. mixing number one yeah. singles. Yes, it's, it's huge. Um, and then uh, a couple other cool little things about it. We had uh, Vic Fuentes from Pierce the Bale is on a track. Yep. Um, I heard there's a Dashboard collab. And and Chris Caraba from Dashboard is yes. just doing a full-on duet with me. Uh, at the Dana, end of the so. Yellow Card Dashboard are on a song together. <laughs> yeah sorry i had to tell my wife my wife loves that's all right i know very people, much people, dashboard yeah people i heard that out, i man. can't wait to, i can't wait to hear this oh yeah so it's, so it's out next week yep dude I it just comes want... out on uh on the first day of two hometown shows in jacksonville come on um the set that well the saturday night show sold out in like four days back at the beginning when we put it on sale so we added a second show and I don't know if the second one's going to sell out, but it's it's going to be close. And and no matter what, same situation, hometown Jacksonville on a normal tour in like the 2010s, there was a little venue downtown called Mavericks. It was like a line dancing bar that was equipped for shows. There wasn't a really good like 2000 seater in Jacksonville. Right. There's never been like a House of Blues style venue there. So we would play at this place, Mavericks, and it like holds like 1,100 people. And if it sold out, it would sell out like, day of show day of, yeah, you know yeah. we're almost at eight thousand tickets in jacksonville over the two nights like what what Let's explain go. that to me explain it to me i don't I'll understand expl- i'll explain it to you i don't understand it's too big of a gap it's just it's great you guys were gritty and you stuck it out and you waited for your mm-hmm. right moment and you did it and i'm i'm for honestly sure. i've always been a fan i'm a bigger fan now I'm a fan to the point where the first song I ever played with another musician was Lights and Sound in sixth grade with a kid named Matt Ho as a two-piece band. Uh, I'm a a fan. Um, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. I didn't know what we were going to get into with the interview. This was fucking sick. Um, Yeah, great. Do me a favor. Find Dante tonight. Are you guys playing tonight or are you playing tomorrow in Chicago? We're playing Minneapolis tomorrow, Chicago the next night. If you're in Chicago right now, Dante is the man of Chicago. He's in his own club okay. right now. You call Dante and you guys go out and get right. hammered together. Do me that favor, all right? I'll I'll try. I'm I'm on extreme like vocal care. Then silently regimen. get fucked up. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we're going to see Mission Impossible tonight. I'm pumped. Ooh, so. I love yeah. a fan. I love we, a band field trip. That's the dude. Day day off is usually like band family movie night. That's like what we do. It's our it's been our thing for you know for years. So oh, we haven't had one yet on this tour. So it's kind of a kind of a special day. It's like our first day off all together. The bus situation is fixed, and which I told you guys about before we started recording. <laughs> and you know we can just go enjoy our day off as a family. You know it's great. And and that's well, the thing too. I guess I I leave you with this too that the positivity, dude. The the gratitude. The camaraderie in the band you know we've had a lot of lineup changes it's been a big point of contention with the fan base and in, in, in certain ways throughout the years and to those fans that have always understood and stuck by us through all those things and weathered those storms you know we're we're forever grateful but this this right now the four of us myself sean ryan mendez and, and josh portman this is the longest running lineup in the history of the band you know this we, we this line has been solidified for over a decade and 
the way it feels right now, all of those things, that, that gratitude, that humbleness, that connectivity and camaraderie, all those things are at higher levels than they have ever been in the history of the band. I mean, it, you can just feel it's palpable. You can feel it on stage, like how, how much we are like just firing on all cylinders when we're playing, you know, when the, the bantering on stage, the connection, the, the chatter on stage, the, it's just like different. Something is, something is very different and it's, you know, it's not just the ticket sales. So um, I don't know what comes next. If, if we don't, if, if we don't get this opportunity again, I think different than in previous chapters, we would be happy to bow and walk, step away again and say, wow, what an incredible opportunity we got as opposed to, you know, spending the next years chasing our tails, trying to get back to this again. I think we're in this mind headset, uh, headspace, excuse me, of just literally one thing at a time, man. Let's just do one show at a time. If, if Live Nation doesn't come back and offer us this big tour again, then we'll go back to living our lives, you know, but the, we're, while we're here, we're going to enjoy every second of it. That's great perspective, man. That's, uh, I'm really, really happy for you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I have really quick before we let you go, I, I forgot to ask you this earlier on. Is it, I don't want to, I don't want to preface this as anything. What are your thoughts when you hear all these big EDM DJs and acts playing these remixes of Ocean Avenue and all these giant festival sets, mm -hmm. these clubs, like, are you, yeah. Do you roll your eyes or are you like, like, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, so funny enough, I, I am kind of a, a full on EDM kid now myself. Ooh. I don't really listen. I don't really listen to rock and roll anymore at all. Wow. Um, now I don't listen to the artists that you are talking about. <laughs> uh like you're not gonna find me at a day club in, in vegas by the pool you know like ripping out i listen to a lot of real kind of um th there's a big groundswell uh uh mostly in europe but this scene of like independent edm it's like it's like indie rock in the early 2000s i mean there's this swell of these producers and artists that are doing this like kind of it's super dancey but it's like ambient all like a lot of field recording you know like real sounds that they're using to make their loops right again and uh it, it's just it's like it's vibe music it's not party music you know what i mean like it's i don't know how else to explain it but there are there's a long list of artists like the big ones you would know like bonobo uh john hopkins like these guys who have just been pushing the envelope for for decades like i've gotten yeah. really into that over the last decade or so um and now there's this whole crop of young dudes coming up that are that are to, you know just killing it so uh, long answer to your question i like i, I think it's awesome i i'm i'm so i'm so interested in the production of and creation of electronic music at this stage of my career outside of yellow card um we have uh we have some really cool things coming with um an artist that you definitely know i'll just say that we have a nice. we have a Ooh. there is a very very big artist that is doing some we've, we've done a couple of tracks with um i can't believe you guys and, did this uh, up it, with pitbull that's crazy but it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very much in the uh it's very much in the uh world that you're talking about of like wow, you know, full-on just club banger remix so let's go baby um and again dude at this point in our career it's just different we are we are open to all of it we want to keep an open mind and invite as many people to be a part of this family and this band and what we do as possible. We're no longer in the business of, of 
trying to be one specific thing because we feel like our pride demands it. You know, right. we want to have a long and fruitful career if given the opportunity from this phase going forward. Um, you know, we're all starting families. We're all moving into a new chapter of our lives. So if, if, you know, Calvin Harris wants to remix Ocean Avenue 20 years ago, I might've been like, Neh. but now hell yeah, dude, let's go. I, Is let's, that let's who we're talking all. about? Let's do it all. No, 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 I, I shouldn't even say I wish because the artist that we're doing it with is, is in, it's insane. It's he's massive. I just didn't want to say his name because I don't want to give it away. So that was yeah. the first one. That, that totally was the first cool. like massive DJ that came to my mind, you know? I Hell love yeah. Well, yeah. dude, everyone go see Yellow Card on tour if you can get a ticket, if you can. Um, dude, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I can't wait for the Pitbull remix. That's going to be incredible. Um, it's sick, dude. It's sick. <laughs> Mr. 305 X yellow card. Let's go, baby. Uh, Ryan, dude, this has been a pleasure. Your Thank seat is you always so much, open. Man. Come back on whenever you want to, man. Thanks so much. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers, yeah, Thanks brother. for having me. Take it easy. Later. All right, so that was our interview with the yellow card. Go see them on tour if you can get tickets. They have a new EP coming out, so go check that out as well. Uh, let's go on the on list, off list. I'm going to start. My on list is the Atomic Bomb because Oppenheimer drops this week, and I can't fucking wait. And I have to say, I am one of those people that, like, I love history. So when I found out that the movie was based on his biography, which is called American Prometheus, I went and bought it. And uh, I'm like 200 pages in so far. And there has not been one talk of the bomb. Literally the first 200 pages are about how this dude got no pussy. That is literally the entire gist of the first 200 pages. And I, I kind of want to see if it's a twist that the reason that we bombed Japan was because that's, this dude was so sexually frustrated. Yeah, that's what powered the <laughs> atom bomb was just <laughs> 30 years of frustration. Dude, uh, literally, you know what's interesting about Oppenheimer and a lot of those dudes like Niels Bohr and a lot of the, the physicists at that time is how influenced they are by the uh, Upanishads, which is a sacred scriptures from like hindu hinduism oh yeah yeah and if you go read the quotes that they talk about that and how like when they reached the end of what was possible for their thought they consulted the upanishads for new forms of thought it makes you think you should go check out the upanishads which i did and you should because it is uh, mind-boggling back to our time question that people from thousands of years ago uh, we're writing about shit that is still 100% relevant now and influenced like the most uh, advanced aspects of uh, physics and science today, or, or listen, back at least. Listen to me. If you're if you're a skinny nerd who's building an atomic bomb and you can't get any girls, you're going and reading Hindu scripture. Trust me, that's, that's where that leads me to believe. <laughs> but I'm excited for the movie. I'm very excited for the movie. Killian Murphy's the man. I'm pumped. Kenny, who's on your list? Uh, on my list, yo, this <laughs> this summer of 99 cruise that they just announced today with Creed headlining. Get this. You ready? Three doors down. Buck Cherry, Tonic, Vertical Horizon, Fuel, The Verve Pipe, Tantric, Dishwalla. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm obviously joking mostly, but like. Where, where, does, the cru- where does the cruise go? Around Tampa? Like, is it just like. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. just goes around the harbor of Tampa. <laughs> I am the Bahamas. Well, oh, and that's it. That's genius marketing right there. That's how Dude, you I, for me, I can't think of a worse hell on earth than being on a music cruise. Yeah, it's oh, even yeah. if I even if I like the artist, I did, they, fuck that. They suck. they suck. I've been a part of one, and I've I actually been a part of two. And the Grand Cruise was awesome, but. uh 
the groove cruise thing not not so great yeah damn it's, it's zombie dude it's people who don't sleep and do drugs for three days straight on a boat and you, yeah <laughs> on a boat and you go up to the deck at like 8 a.m to go for like a jog and people are still raving out from <laughs> from three from three days ago no sleep it's like it's the no escape later. aspect of it like all that yeah. could be fun and cool it's just like at any moment if you wanted to just like step back a bit and get a break like imagine you be, ima- you're stuck imagine being hungover or seasick and sunburnt and you wake up in the morning and you're waiting in line for coffee with scott staff and he starts talking about who's gonna assassinate obama <laughs> yo that'd be so <laughs> <stoked. laughs> <laughs> probably got that. uh ken uh, johnny who's yes. on your list on my list is selling things. I've been listing shit on Facebook Marketplace, like old chairs or whatever. There's no better feeling that even for like 50 bucks than selling something and getting it the fuck out of your house. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if you lost money on it, at least you didn't lose all of it. And at least it's out of your house. I love that. <laughs> Losing money on it. I put shit up for free all the time because I don't feel like messaging back and forth. Like, just come. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just getting rid of it yeah. as opposed to like throwing it away. Someone's going to get use out of it. Yeah. And it's out of your house. What a great feeling. Oh, it's on my front door. Bye. Unless, yeah. they're, a ho- unless they're a hoarder, which hoarders Facts. live on Facebook Marketplace. Facts. That's true. Dante is on. I en- enabled a bunch of people this week. Yes. You could be, you could be <laughs> contributing to the, the disease. Dante, uh, is on your list people doing construction behind you? <laughs> it just, it, it's my whole life. I just, I just tweeted. It's, been the past like two months of my life it's hopefully over tomorrow when we open i'm i'm gonna be like in trauma because i'm not gonna know what it's like not having it going on god damn uh do you have it on the list for real uh i honestly don't know man i, I don't want to i don't want to jinx anybody or curse anything so say less just fingers crossed uh, my off the list is not having a social media person because now that we have one, uh, I can't believe that we lasted this long without one. I want to give a shout out to fucking Cruz. That kid's a monster. Yeah, head head not. He's been crazy, <laughs> been crushing, crushing, and helping our with our Twitter so much. Well, Ken, Kenny, I'm looping Kenny into the fucking backstage socials group Why chat because he has questions. Am I just here to just talk shit? Is that my job? No, no, I, I, I mean it's a lot of texting. Like, it's a lot text, of texting, dude. I'll that shit so fucking fast. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, we'll, add, we'll add you. We just don't want to. I'll add you. you. I'll literally like White Sox. Add, we don't want to. We don't want to. Oh, I'm White not Sox adding Dave. Doesn't give a fuck. Dave doesn't care. Dave's Hold on, a- Kenny. I'm gonna add you right now, but I want you to have a fire. I want you to have a fire ass first text. I'm gonna have say some fucked up shit. Dave is like the digital version of a hibernating bear. Like every six months, he pops up on the group chat and says, "Did I miss something?" Digital oh, version God. of a hibernating. He's just <laughs> the worst. Did I miss something? <laughs> He's the worst. All right, Kenny, I've added you into the group chat. Come in with something fire. Oh, I got, I got, guys, I got, guys, I got to jump. I love you. I'll talk to All you. Right, yes. Yeah, so let's wrap this up. Next week we got Bailey Zimmerman. Uh, huge, huge, huge interview. It just opened for Morgan Wallen. Uh, from the Windy City Smokeout. And then we got Darius Rucker the following week. We have the band Camino coming up, which I'm excited about. That's a huge get. Uh, This might be my last episode before I'm a dad, so hell yeah.
What's the plan for that? If, when you're like, are you going to take a week or two? No, you're not doing no breaks. No. So there's going to be baby shit <laughs> flying across the screen while we're doing interviews. <laughs> Kenny, like, Kenny just, I like Ken, how Kenny's just laughing, like because we're definitely gonna be like, guys, no, I gotta sit this one out. Kenny's <laughs> laughed. Kenny laughed because he said, "I think we should change the show, social handles to at unvaxed fats." <laughs> 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 he just said that to a bunch of twenty-two-year-old interns. Hell yeah, yeah dude! <laughs> Here we go. All right, well, that's the episode this week. Shouts out to Yellow Card. Thank you for coming on. Thanks to White Sox Dave for not doing his job again. Kenny and Johnny, I love you guys. Shouts out, to you, man. And if you do have that baby, good luck. I'm excited to. To see pictures and make hope that it doesn't look like you. May the It'll Lord de- bless you. May the Lord bless my future child. Um, all right. <laughs> Love all you guys. Right, later. Bye. See Cheers. You.